Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Do so because we want to honor him. It's part of worship. So I just encourage you to keep worshiping God through your giving. Uh, today we wrap up a series. We've been in a series called Pray. You'll remember that we've talked about a couple things. First of all, first week we talked about the fact that who you pray to, who you pray for, and who you pray with reveals the intimacy levels in your life. And I encourage you to make sure that you're praying with one another. And then two weeks ago, the second part, we talked about how to pray. We went back and we looked at the Lord's Prayer. I hope you've been praying that prayer. I've been praying that prayer with my boys every morning on the way to school. We pray this. God, be revealed, right? Be revealed. Show us who you are throughout the day. Then we pray, God, we want you to set our world right. That means I put your concerns and your needs and the needs of my world in front of my own personal needs, right? And I just say, God, you know what people need. You see the provision they need. Please intervene. Then we pray for our own needs. God, we pray for the basic needs. What we need, give us. You know exactly what we need. Then we pray this, God, forgive us. I don't want anything to come between me and you, right? And so we ask God to make sure on every day that there's nothing existing between me and the Father so that my relationship with Him is pure. But out of that forgiveness, I learned to forgive others. And just as I was offered forgiveness freely, now I must turn and live forgiving. So we've been praying every morning on the way to school, God help us to be good forgivers. When somebody does us wrong, when somebody talks bad about us, when somebody looks at us all cockeyed, then God help us to forgive them, right? And then we pray this, God, protect us from ourselves and protect us from our enemy. Us first because we're our own worst enemy, but then protect us from the enemy that chooses to and desires to kill, steal, and destroy. We're going to wrap it up this morning. I want you to watch this video to show you where we're going. Okay, prayers. Uh, this creepy whisper thing has to end. Organization, right? Management. That's what I need. I need a system, something concrete. Concentrate. Files. Let all prayers be organized into files. Well, that takes care of the voices. Not exactly a space saver, though. Grace might notice. Prayer post-its! Okay, I need something with a lock. Security, combination, password. Password? Yo! You've got prayers. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless, no mess. Downloading now. <laughs> it's good. It's good. This is gonna take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. I better manifest some coffee. 
Those of you that saw that movie recognize that uh, Bruce had been given the power of God, and so he decides the best way to answer all prayers is yes. Don't you kind of wish sometimes that God would just say yes to everything, that as soon as you nail down, kneel down on, on your knees and said, God, I need this, boom, yes. Well, I've also learned I want to thank God for unanswered prayers sometimes, right? <laughs> if you've been to your high school reunion, you'd understand what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, not all prayers are answered yes, and sometimes, haven't you ever noticed that there are moments in your life where it doesn't feel like God answers at all? And you wonder, why? God, why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you responding to me? Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about prayer walls. There's this obscure passage of Scripture found in a book of the Bible that most people don't read very much because... Uh, it kind of has a dark and dreary inclination, and so we just kind of skip all over it and don't read it very often. But hidden in its third chapter is a statement that literally describes how oftentimes we feel, I don't know, it seems to be supremely accurate, if you will, about how we often feel when we go to God in prayer. Uh, and it, it's the, the writer is giving us a glimpse of his relationship and his communication levels with God and what his prayer life was like. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Lamentations chapter 3. If, you've, if, you need, uh, if you're like in a really good me mood and just feel like you're hyper and need to be brought down a few levels, just open up the book of Lamentations, right? It's just crying and discouragement. But here we go. In Lamentations chapter 3, the writer talks about his prayer life, and this is what he says in verse 8 and verse 9. He says, And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. Thank you, God. Boy, that just encourages you on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? He has shut out my prayers. Verse 9. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. How about in the Message Bible? It may even be clear. It says this. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he locks up my prayers and throws away the key. He sets up blockades with quarried limestones. He's got me cornered. In other words, God isn't sitting at some Insta prayer terminal 
just saying yes all the time. There are moments in our lives where we go to our Father in prayer and there are obstacles or walls, prayer walls that are established and built that seem to deflect our prayers and to stop our prayers and to resist our prayers. And so this morning what I want to do is what I've discovered out of Scripture is that there are at least three prayer walls that block your prayers. And I think it's it's important for you to understand those and identify those prayer walls so that you can deal with them. Two of those prayer walls, you actually hold the key to unlocking your prayers in regard to those two prayer walls. Two of the prayer walls that we're going to talk about, you actually build in your own life and you keep your own prayers from being answered. Boy, it's exciting in here this morning, isn't it? Uh, the third one, you really don't have anything, any power over uh, over, in, in that you don't establish that wall, but you need to factor this third wall into your prayer life, into the equation of your prayer life so you might understand better what's going on. So I want us to look at the three walls. The first wall that can block and stop your prayers is revealed clearly and it's revealed multiple times in Scripture. I want to read to you three passages of Scripture that reveal this particular prayer wall, and I want you to listen carefully and see if you can identify this wall. Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I hate that passage of Scripture. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How about under the uh, Message Bible? If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would have never have listened. Then in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9, he says this, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Then in the Message Bible, it says like this, God has no use for the prayers of people who won't listen to him. I mean, can you blame him? Um, any of you that have children, are there ever days that your children will not listen to you? And so then when they come and ask you for advice, you just look at them and say, I ain't saying nothing to you because I know it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to do what you wanted to do, and you're not listening. Why would I even respond to you? Right? Ever been there? Am I the only one? Uh, okay, I, I didn't think so. Maybe it was your spouse, not your child. I don't know. But... Uh, well, you know, there are days I just want to look at my kids and say, I ain't even listening to you, right? The third passage of Scripture is a profound passage of Scripture found in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 3. Listen carefully what he says. He says, look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. Listen, there's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Your wrong-headed lives caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that he doesn't hear. Your hands are drenched in blood. Your fingers dripping with guilt. Your, li your lips are smeared with lies. Your tongue swollen from muttering obscenities. Do you see the wall? The first wall that can block your prayers is the wall of iniquity. The wall of iniquity, our own sins, block our prayers. I hate these passages of Scripture because what it says to me is that my sins keep God from hearing me. In other words, the silence that I endure is my own fault. 
That's why I come to you week after week and try to persuade you and convince you and, and push you to live a life above reproach because what I recognize is that if you don't live a, a life that is above reproach and your life is not wrapped up in holiness, you in effect damage your own ability to have your prayers heard by God. This is what I know for a fact. God hears the prayers of sinners. I know that because he heard mine. But what this these passages of Scripture teach me is this. He is speaking to those of us that are already in relationship with him. And he says, once you've come into relationship with me, if you're not careful, if you regard iniquity, your own sins get between me and you. And I refuse to listen to you anymore because you know the right way. And when you refuse to live the right way, I refuse to listen to you. Listen, I know it's a struggle at times to capture the mind of Christ and to keep the mind of Christ and to think on the, like Christ thinks. But according to these passages of Scripture, what it teaches us is that we must live at a higher standard and our prayer life, our ability to communicate effectively, our ability to be heard by God is, is directly linked to the lifestyle of holiness we live or don't live. In fact, let me show you how high the standard is right back in that same passage of Scripture. The psalmist says this. He didn't say, if I committed sin, you won't listen to me. He says, if I regard iniquity, you won't listen to me. That is a whole different level of living. That's beyond, oh, God, you won't listen to me when I sin. He's saying, if I even think about it, if I contemplate it, if I consider committing this iniquity, if my mind is captured by the thought of iniquity and I refuse to move on from that thought, at that moment I build a wall, I establish a blockade, and God corners me in and refuses to listen to me. Man, that is a high standard of living. Anybody understand what I'm saying? That is, a, that is beyond me just standing up, up here saying, if you've actually committed sin, you ought to repent. That goes to a different level. That goes to a level where your mind has to be captured by the mind of Christ, where you've got to live above reproach. You've got to live at a level of holiness that you, you wouldn't even think about committing iniquity. You don't even regard it. That means you change the channel. That means you turn the volume down. That means you walk out of the movie. That means you refuse to get into relationship with. That means you do everything within your power not to even regard iniquity. Why? Because my prayer life, the effectiveness of my prayer life depends on whether or not I have established a wall of iniquity. I just want to challenge you this morning if you're faced with unanswered blocked, stopped prayers, and if silence is like a canopy over your head, then maybe you need to go back and examine whether or not Isaiah chapter 59, you ought to go back and read the first 15 verses. Maybe Isaiah 59 that I read to you describes you and how you're living. If your mouth is full of muttered obscenities, if, if your hands are dripping with blood, if your lips are smeared, if, if you're regarding iniquity, maybe the silence you're enduring this week, this month, this year is nobody's fault but your own. In other words, we got to get rid of iniquity in our life because holiness is the key that releases our prayers and helps us find answers and direction and understanding and provision. I have so many people tell me, I, it's like I can't get through to God. Then we got to consider our own ways. And know whether or not we've built a wall of iniquity up between us and God. Because at the moment we regard iniquity, our prayers are no longer heard. 
I made a Christian mad one time. In fact, a guy used to come to our church. I, I said that from the pulpit one time previously that at the moment a believer regards iniquity. God doesn't hear our prayers. He got so mad he left. He quit our church. He said, I don't believe God doesn't hear our prayers. I didn't say it. He said it. And we want him to adjust what he said to fit our comfort level. That's not how it works. If your prayers have been stopped, why? The second wall is this. It's another one I don't really care for very much because it puts hard work on us. But the second wall that can block our prayers is the wall of injury. This is another wall that we hold the key to. We, we have the ability to, to refuse to regard iniquity. We have the ability to deal with the wall of injury. We hold the key. Jesus was very clear. This is a passage of Scripture that I'm getting ready to you read to you that I have probably read at this church once or twice or three times a year since our inception because I believe this is one of the most ignored and refused verses and passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Jesus was very clear. He left us no room for negotiation. He said it as a law of the kingdom. We operate by kingdom law. You recognize this morning that not only are we under civil law, according to Scripture, we're supposed to obey those that have power over us, so we obey all the civil laws, but you've also got to understand that we have dual citizenship. We live in a kingdom. And he says this is how the kingdom operates. This is a law. And so... Here's the law. When you approach the altar, injury can keep you from being heard. Listen to Matthew chapter 5 again. I, I just want to encourage you one more time. Don't give yourself permission to dismiss its instructions. Don't justify your injury and say, I've been hurt too bad. I can't do that. Because at the moment you allow your in injuries to get between you and God and somebody else, there is a wall there that restricts your prayer life. Listen to what he says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you, anyone that who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. That's a pretty high standard in the kingdom. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. He's just told us the matters he's dealing with, how we communicate with one another. He says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and, about, and you're about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. When you come to the altar and remember, isn't it interesting? Maybe this is not true for you, but this is how it works for me. Isn't it interesting that typically at the moment we try to approach God, we remember all that has happened to us? I, I may have gone all week and not thought about what somebody and such and such and so and so did to me, but at the moment I try to approach God, it's like a video goes off in my head and I can remember their facial expressions. I can remember their tone of voice. I can remember how they did me wrong. Isn't it interesting that at that moment th things are brought back to our remembrance and what we try to do is bind the devil. I bind you, devil. You ain't bringing that up to my attention. What if it's not the devil? What if it was God, the Holy Spirit, saying, I want you to remember this stuff because here's the truth that you need to understand today. Injuries can interrupt. 
if we allow those things to fester, if we allow those things to take root and we don't go deal with them, then it produces a wall in our life. And God is saying, listen, when you come into my presence and you approach me, I will establish, I will place a wall there. It's a wall of your own doing, but I will place it there so that you can no longer approach me and get what you need from me and hear the, have the audience with me because of the wall of injury. Some of us are suffering in silence because we refuse to do the hard and painful work of reconciliation. I know reconciliation is not easy. When somebody does you wrong and they injure your life, I recognize this morning that it is not easy to go back and say, you know what, I forgive you. You may not change your attitude. You may not change how you treat me. You may never come back and ask me for forgiveness. But I recognize today that my prayer life is being restricted because of the hurt that was caused in my life. And therefore, I choose to forgive you. So that I can be free. How many of you know that's hard work? How many of you know that takes guts? How many of you know that's one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life? Right? But isn't having an audience with God worth it? Earthly relationships can block your heavenly relationship. I think I ought to say that again. I don't know why God established it this way, but he did. He teaches us through this passage that earthly relationships can block your heavenly relationship. And you've got to keep a clear path of communication. Our unity has more bearing on our ability to communicate with God than we realize. That's why Jesus, as he's, a, as he's preparing to leave his earthly ministry and his earthly uh, experience here... He steps up to the plate and he prays, and you will remember, I read it to you, I think it was the first week, he prayed over his disciples, God, unify them. Let love be their hallmark, their calling card. Uh, unify them in love. He recognized that unity was a crucial element in their life if they were going to be effective. And so I bring you back to this again and say to you that unity is a key component to your prayer life. Well, I can just be hurt by anybody or I can hurt anybody and it don't matter. I can still go to God and pray and it, everything will be hunky-dory. Wrong. Because God will not violate his own kingdom laws. And so you may think you're getting through, but according to what Jesus taught us, injury builds a wall around your prayer life and it stops clear communication and you can't get to God until you first work out things with your brother or your sister. We don't like that. How many of you actually like that passage of Scripture? Anybody here? Is, are you a fan? Should we start a fan club? I think it would probably have one member. I hate that passage of Scripture because I would like to think I can treat you any way I want to and you can treat me any way you want to and I can still get to God. Right? Wouldn't it be easier that way? But it's not that way. And we can try to ignore it if we will, but I'm telling you today that regardless of the pain of your life, regardless of how bad somebody's treated you, regardless of how somebody's done you wrong, regardless how hurt you are, if you want to have clear communication with the Father, there is a mandate that before you come to Him and try to communicate with Him, you first have to get up and go fix it with Him. Well, you are quiet this morning. I hope there's names and faces going across your, your mind right now of who you need to call and talk to this week. And j even if you just have to pick up the phone and say, hey, I just want you to know you're killing my prayer life. And so I want my prayer life to be better than it is. So I want you to know I forgive you and I want it to be right. We may never be best friends again. 
We may never be as close as we were, but I make a conscious effort to tear this wall down so that when now when I go back to my prayer closet and try to pray, I don't remember what happened to me and the injuries that took place in my life. What I have now is a clear pipeline to the Father. Three walls. These two you have control over, the wall of iniquity and the wall of injury. This morning, you right now have a key in your life to tear down, to open up, to release communication between you and the Father if you will deal with the iniquity in your life and you will deal with the injuries in your life. The third wall is not quite so simple. It's the wall I don't really like very much, even probably more. It's called the wall of silence. Anybody ever battled the wall of silence in prayer? I pray and 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 I hear nothing. Am I the only one? Okay, I just I thought maybe you were amen in me in silence so that I would, okay. The wall of silence. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our prayer life is that we think and we mistake silence for lack of response. I, I, I just want you to learn today that the wall of silence is a part of prayer. You have no control over it, but you need to factor it into your prayer life and understand that there are moments when God will be silent. And I want to tell you two reasons why. The first one is this. God is silent at times because we pray contrary to his will. <laughs> he is silent because our prayers don't demand a response because he's already responded in his word. I'm trying to help somebody. Some of you praying about some things. God, should I hawk everything I own and go into debt? And you pray and you pray and pray, God, can I get the new house, the new car? Can I run up my credit card bills? Can I, can I get in debt past my eyeballs? And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and, and God doesn't say anything. And you go, well, shoot. Why would he respond? He already responded. He's putting his word, don't be a debtor to anybody. Well, should I, should I date this person? Uh, man, they're fine. They look good in their jeans. They have a good job. They got a nice car. My mom and dad like them. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, and God won't say nothing. Could it be because he says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? Oh, I forgot, God, they don't know you. But can't you just overlook it this one time because they're really hot? But he doesn't respond. You know what I've discovered? I don't respond to my children when I've already given them instructions and they refuse to carry them out. One of the most frustrating times in my entire life, my mom is here, so I'm going to tell on her. Uh, we, we lived in Anadarko, Oklahoma in a two-story house. She would drive me to the place of going crazy because she'd be upstairs, I'd be downstairs. I would ask, I would yell a question to her that I already knew the answer to because I'd already asked and been answered. And I would, hey, Mama, can I? And no response. Mama. No response. Mama. No response. I'm serious. I could holler for 20 minutes. She would drive me crazy. I hate that treatment. Now I just do it again. I do it now to my kids. Because now I understand that my question demanded no response because she had already answered me. And I wonder how many of us are fighting silence because silence is simply God shouting, I've already spoken. I'm not going to undo what I told you in my word. I'm not going to act opposite of what I've already declared to you. It's not okay for you to shack up. It's not okay for you to steal. 
It's not okay for you to lie. It's not okay for you to cheat. It's not okay. So when I say, God, can I? He doesn't say nothing. A lot of times we battle silence because we're actually praying for God to undo what he will not undo. So he won't say nothing. And I dislike him for it greatly. But he still won't talk. God always wins the silent game. Have you ever figured that out? He's undefeated. Nobody even comes close. He won't flinch. He won't, he won't accidentally say something when he already has given you the answer. It's just law. The second reason that there is silence is the part that I want you to really understand. See, silence demands that, that you have great discernment. Some of you are experiencing silence in your prayer life, and you need to discern between these two reasons. For some of you, the discernment needs to take over, and you need to understand, I'm praying contrary to the will of God in my life, so he's not going to respond. You've got to discern that and understand that. The second element that causes silence in our life is interference. That's a whole different animal. If you have time today, you ought to go back and read uh, Daniel chapter 10. It's what Daniel experienced in that chapter. The Bible says that uh, in, in this particular occasion that, that Daniel went to prayer and he prayed and he doesn't receive an answer for 21 days. Three solid weeks of silence. And on the 21st day, the angel of the Lord comes and informs him that on the day that you prayed, I heard you, but I was interfered with. The enemy got between me and you and I had to fight. And I was resisted or I was interfered with. That, that same passage of Scripture should encourage us because I want to say to you this morning that in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, the writer says that at the moment you humbled yourself and began to pray, your prayers were heard. There was this delay. There was this interference that took place. But at the moment that you decided to approach my throne and pray, I heard you. That ought to encourage some of you. Some of you need to hear me this morning. Some of the things that you've been praying about for days, some of the things that you've been praying about for weeks, some of you have been praying for months, some of you may even have been praying for years, you have thought that God hasn't heard you. This passage ought to encourage you to understand that God heard you. The silence is simply caused by interference. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch to a football analogy since we're right smack dab in the middle of football. And it ought to speak to you. There is a huge difference between interference and interception. Our problem in our prayer life is that often we confuse interference with an interception. Interference is a delay, and interception is a turnover. It's when the enemy actually turns things against you. What I am saying to you is that many of you are not dealing with an interception. He hasn't grabbed a hold of your prayers, and they're never going to get to God. It is simply interference. He is trying to delay. And if you think that God doesn't hear you, you need to go back and read the passage in Daniel that says that the moment you got down on your knees and prayed, I heard you. Yes, it's silent right now. Yes, you can't seem to get a response right now, but hold on because I heard what you said and I heard what you asked for. So we can walk in assurance that interference does not equate with an interception. And so 
if you are experiencing silence in your prayer life right now, I probably, if I ask for a show of hands, the majority of the people in this room would say, I'm experiencing silence in my prayer life. I'm doing my part. I've, I've chosen not to regard iniquity. I've dealt with the injuries of my life. But for some reason, there seems to be this overwhelming silence. Most of us are in that experience in our prayer life right now. It requires us, us to have great amounts of discernment because you've got to discern, um, is it silent? Is God not speaking to me because he's already answered and I refuse to embrace his answer? Or is it silent because the enemy is interfering? with the answer, because that determines how our response is, because if we're praying against his will, we just need to stop and say, God, here's the prayer, Jesus prayed it in the garden, not my will, but your will be done, but that means I won't get Mr. Cute Jeans, yeah, I understand, that means I won't get the new car, I understand. That means I can't quit my job. I understand. But your will, not my will. And surprisingly, at the moment we pray that, the canopy's ripped off and God responds. Or we've got to discern that the enemy is involved and he's trying to interfere with our prayer life and we keep pressing in and say, God, I know you heard me the first time I prayed, but I discern this morning that the enemy is fighting me and I refuse to give him the upper hand and I refuse to believe the enemy's report. I will believe the report of the Lord which says that I can trust you and I can bring my request to you and I can make my petitions known and it may be quiet right now, but I refuse to give up because I know you're going to answer. See, prayer is often walled in. Prayer is often stopped. Prayer is often blocked. And what we have to determine in our life is, is our prayer going to be effective? And if it's going to be effective, then i got to quit fighting my own prayers. That was a statement you should have clued in on. Some of you are fighting your own prayers. And so what I have come to do this morning is simply challenge you to quit regarding iniquity, to deal with the injuries in your life, and to gain enough discernment to know why God isn't talking. And if you can deal with those three walls, your prayer life will change. You're, you will find freedom and expression in your prayer life that you have never known. If you would simply live holy and quit regarding iniquity, then your prayer life will flourish. If you would man up or woman up and deal with the injuries in your life, as painful as it may be, if you would go to the person that you hurt or that hurt you and say, let's get this straight whether we like each other after this or not, let's at least agree we're going to deal with this. At that moment, the canopy is erased. And if you wouldn't come to the place where you think God's silence is God's lack of care, then you would understand that God's got it all under control. My prayer for you is simple. God, elevate our prayer life. But here's the key. Here's the kicker. You hold the keys to the effectiveness of your own prayer life. You've got to learn to come to a place of intimacy with others and with God. And you've got to take your prayers beyond your own self and your own needs. 
You've got to learn how to pray, and thankfully Jesus taught us very clearly. And three, you've got to get rid of the prayer walls so that there's clear communication. I'm calling you to prayer. I hope you've noticed over the last three, four weeks, that's what we're doing. I'm trying to talk to you about prayer because I, I'm asking you to elevate your prayer life. If there was ever a time that Christians need to pray, it's now. In fact, it's past time. You should have already been praying, but maybe your prayers have been restricted. You've got to discover why so that we can elevate our prayer life and go deeper into God and hear what he's saying so we know how to live and we know how to act and we know how to respond. Father, this morning, I know that many in this room are fighting their own prayers. God, I have no doubt in my mind this morning that if we went around this room one by one, did a survey, that there are folks here that would say, my prayer life is being restricted. I feel walled in. I feel like I can't get through to God. I feel like I pray and my prayers bounce right back at me. Holy Spirit, this morning I pray you'd speak to us and clearly indicate which wall we're facing. Father, if there are those here that are facing the wall of iniquity, I pray in Jesus' name that right now they would clean up their act. They would get their mind straight. They would concentrate their efforts to live holy and pure. God, if there's one here that's even regarding iniquity, thinking about it, contemplating it, wondering whether it would be fun or not, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would clarify to them that the moment they regard it, there's a there's a barrier between us and you, and I pray that they would deal with it and repent right now. Father, we repent of any regard of iniquity. We want there to be clear lines of communication between you and us. Open up the windows of heaven and help us to hear. And Father, I pray for those that are battling the wall of injury. This one may be even more difficult because it requires response on our part. And it's painful. Every time... We come to you in prayer. Our mind acts like a videotape and we can play over what so-and-so did to us and how they hurt us and how they did us wrong. It might have been a spouse. It might have been a friend. It may have been a co-worker or a classmate. Maybe it was just somebody that drove by and looked at us wrong. But I pray this morning, Father, that we would deal with those injuries in our life correctly. We recognize we refuse to gloss over this fact. We refuse to ask for an out because we know we're never going to get one. In fact, the moment we ask you to ignore the injury in our life, we go to the third wall, which is silence, because we know you're not going to respond because you've already told us what to do. So, Father, this morning I pray that you'd raise up men and women out of this house that would be agents of reconciliation. As painful as it is, I pray that they would begin to go back in their own life and deal with the injuries of their life. And whether the other person responds positively or not, I pray that at least we would make an attempt and we would deal with it on our end and we would offer forgiveness and we would ask for forgiveness so that our prayer lines with you would be pure and clean and open. So, Father, for the hurt folks in this room right now, I pray that once and for all, they would make the hard decision and do the hard work of making things right. Unify us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for those that are battling silence. I ask that in Jesus' name you give us discernment. Let us know if 
you're silent because we're praying contrary to your will, if we're asking you to do something that you've already given us in instructions in your word that you're not going to do, then I pray that we would recognize that and we would begin to pray this prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. But, Father, I also pray you'd give discernment for those that are experiencing silence because of interference. There are folks in this room that have been praying purely and they're praying the mind of Christ, and it still seems like nothing's happening. I pray that you would encourage them today to allow them to know you heard their prayers. And your arm is not short. And you've got power. And you have the ability. It's simply interference. It is not an interception. And I pray in Jesus' name you would speak to them and encourage them and give them the strength to hang on and to persevere and continue to believe so that when the day comes that the interference is broken, they will see the desires of their heart answered. I pray you would do that in Jesus' name. I want you to stand with me right now. As your pastor, I get to pray a lot of things over you, and I do. But this morning, I'm going to pray a closing prayer over you. This is a tough and tall order, but it's one that we've got to see come to pass. Before I pray, I want to say this to you. If you're dealing with the wall of injury, please, before you come back next Sunday, please deal with it. Because you bring your injury with you, and when you do, you block things. Can't worship as good. Can't hear God. Word bounces off of you. That wall will restrict your life. I don't want you to be restricted. As your pastor, I want every prayer you pray not only to be heard, but I want response. Whether it's yes or no or maybe, I want you to hear response. So I just want to pray a prayer over you today. This is my prayer. Father, my prayer for my folks today is that you would raise up prayer warriors out of this house. I pray everyone under the sound of my voice would experience a new level of prayer, communication. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would find themselves being drawn into a closet of prayer, whether that's their car, their bedroom, or a special place. God, I pray that they wouldn't ignore communication with you. And I pray that over the coming weeks, as they apply the truths that we've talked about over the last two or three weeks, God, I pray that their prayer life would go to a new level. God, I pray in Jesus' name that the folks under the sound of my voice this morning that are part of this body would become known throughout Oklahoma City and the surrounding communities as prayer warriors, that this would become a house of prayer, that they know that they can turn to us and pray and because we've dealt with the walls of prayer in our life, they know we're going to get through. So Father, I pray you teach us to pray. Call us to pray. I pray that we would sense a call to prayer. Young and old alike, whether we've ever been good at prayer or not, whether we've ever encountered you through prayer in long extended times of prayer or even quiet moments, just minutes of prayer. God, I pray in Jesus' name that somehow, some way, some shape, some form, you would call every individual under the sound of my voice to a new level of prayer and allow an army of prayer warriors to rise up in this house. We would become known as prayers. Not eloquent, not fancy, not flashy, not showy, not surface level, but we would become a group of people that know how to get your ear and you would respond. Father, we trust you to do this and accomplish this in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Steve, I'm a sinner today. 
I don't know Jesus as my Savior. And I'm encouraged because I know that the Father responds to a sinner's prayer. And I want to call out to Him today. The truth is, is that God made it very simple. It, was, it wasn't cheap and it wasn't easy, but it's simple. Jesus came. He died on a cross so that we could have a relationship with the Father. Jesus' blood brings forgiveness of sin. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for your sacrifice. Live in me. Become my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And at that moment, it's not a, it's not a miracle working formula of how you pray. It's that reception of Jesus into your heart that you believe. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior and you want to know Him today, we want to pray with you. It's the greatest prayer we can ever pray. If you're here and you'd like to know Jesus and you need Him today, would you just simply raise your hand with no one looking around other than my leaders so they can pray intelligently. You say, Steve, I need to know Him today. If you're here and you need Him, would you just simply raise your hand? You can pull it right back down when you're done. Is there one? Wait just a moment longer. Now, every head bowed, closed, every every head bowed and every eye closed, including my leaders. Nobody looking around. This is just between me and you and God. If you're here and you say, Steve, I've got some walls in my life. Maybe it's a wall of iniquity. Maybe it's, maybe it's a wall of injury. A wall of silence. If you're battling a wall in your prayer life right now, would you just raise your hand and pull it right back down? I just want to know who I need to pray for this week. Yeah, there's several. Yeah, several. Several. Father, you see these hands. When our prayer life is being restricted, it's one of the most painful moments in our life, Father. I pray for these folks that were brave enough to raise their hands. I pray that they would take the steps that they need to take because they hold the key on two of these walls. But I also pray that you would take some steps on your end, Father, and clean up those lines of communication. If it's iniquity, I pray you'd point it out. If it's injury, I pray you'd point it out and make a way for them to make things right. If it's silence, I pray you'd give them discernment. Father, help these folks, I pray, to tear down every wall. Father, we'll give you praise and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you do me a favor this morning? Would you find somebody and just spend just a moment and pray with one another? And if the person that injured you or you feel injured by is here, go make it right so that your prayer life will work and then you're free to go this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.